The new liberal arts is inspiring students at Hiram College. I'm Abby, and I'm studying science, theater, and the art of communicating ideas. The new liberal arts is helping students find their unique voice and become their best self. I'm learning to think out loud, challenge myself, and everyone else. It's building a 21st century skill set and mindset that prepares them for careers of the future. I am ready to affect people's lives. I am Abby, and I am Hiram. Learn more about the new liberal arts at Hiram.edu. Welcome to Fireside Chats, 60 minutes of stimulating conversation with some of Northeast Ohio's most interesting entrepreneurs. Get the inside story from folks who have taken the leap and who are willing to share what they've learned, the good, the bad, and the inspiring. Fireside Chats, real entrepreneurs, real stories, real learning. Fireside Chats are brought to you by the Center for Integrated Entrepreneurship at Hiram College. Be sure to look for our Fireside Chat podcasts where you can listen on your own time and our dime. For more information, visit hiram.edu backslash entrepreneurship. Now, let's get chatting. Welcome everybody to another edition of Fireside Chats here at Hiram College. Welcome to all the students and guests in our audience today and to those out there who are tuning in via our live streaming. Welcome, and if you're watching us via live stream and you have a question, please feel free to email entrepreneurship at hiram.edu, and we'll try to get those questions to our speaker today. So our speaker today, formerly his name is Brent Wesley, but he goes by his last name Wesley. Maybe he'll tell us why, I'm not sure, but I've, and I met him originally as Wesley, and then he got me all confused when I saw the Brent part. But um, I actually heard Wesley speak at a social entrepreneurship event about two years ago at Youngstown State University. And I thought he had a really interesting, motivating story. He's very passionate about what he does and why he does it. And so it took me a while, but I'm glad that I was able to get him here to Hiram uh, for him to share his story with you. So. He does have a day job. He hasn't left that yet. He's also, he looks like one of you guys. Like he looks like he could be maybe just out of college. But he always surprises me. And it must be the honey. Must be the honey keeps you young. Um, he's, he is, he, his age would surprise you. Um, he's married and is now, has a couple kids and is expecting twins uh, with his wife. So that was the big news he delivered to me. Um, today, but that's pretty exciting. But he has a day job and he's working really hard on his side hustle, if you will, of his Akron Honey Company. And his dream really is to make the Akron Honey Company his full-time uh, gig. And he's, he's working really hard to figure out how to do that. And he's going to share his story with you all tonight. So with that, I give you Wesley. Cool. I forgot, uh, Professor K, is this a video or no video? There will be video there afterwards. Be video. Cool, cool. I'll Don't send you the link to that. <laughs> All right, well, just to explain and clear up the whole Wesley thing, um, so, you know, I, I, I do many things amongst uh, those things. I'm a musician as well, and um, played in a, 
uh, a, a pretty cool band for, you know, I still do, for the last eight years. And um, the name of the band was uh, Wesley Wright and the, uh, the Honey Tones, or the highlights at that time. They turned into the Honey Tones. Um, but one time when I got off stage, uh, this guy came up to me. He's like, he was like, oh, that was so amazing. I'm the front man, by the way. And he's like, oh, that was so amazing. I, I can't believe this is soul music and all this stuff. And I said, yeah, it's cool, man. I'm like, uh, I'm like, what's your name? And he's like, you know, Jared or whatever. And I was like, yeah, my name is Brent. And he was just like, what? I was like, oh, Wesley. And so I just kept it as Wesley. Just it was just confusing people. Uh, most people at that time, after eight years ago, just knew me as Wesley. Just you know, I'd be in a room and somebody knew me from high school. Somebody knew from from like two weeks ago, and uh, they're saying Brent, or they're saying Wesley. They're saying Brent. They don't know who they're talking about, so it's just confusing. So I'm just gonna say Wesley for now. Um, but the reason I'm here, uh, I'm gonna share a little bit of the story today. Um, so Akron Honey Company. I guess that's 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 what I what I got. Um, you know, I'll talk a little bit more about that in, in a little bit. But uh, how it all started, um, I live in I live in Akron. Anybody live in like Akron, Akron area? Where you live? Firestone. Oh, you're Firestone, huh? Stowe. Stowe. Well, that's nice. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, you could, man. It's, it's all right. Yeah, so I live in a, a neighborhood in Akron called um, Highland Square. Um, I'm pretty sure maybe a few of y'all know about it. And uh, it was about it was like 2000 and I think it was 2013. Uh, like the professor said, I have a full-time job, and uh, I I just um, I don't know. Like I, I've had it for a while now, 12 years, 12 and a half years almost. And every day as I went to work, I would uh, you know I would pass the same lot, and it was it was vacant. Um, it was it was a little blighted to you know sometimes in, in uh, urban areas we have vacant spaces uh, you know folks will just throw trash on it they throw you know tires or whatever on it and I was, I was like man I want to I want to I want to do something with that I want to I want to I want to take that and do something I'm not sure what I want to do with it it was for sale uh, so you know I saved up a little money my wife let me it is how it works and my wife let me buy it. Um, I mean, that's, that's fine. It's how it is. Stay married, you know. <laughs> um, so I so I bought this lot, and I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do with it. Uh, I, you know, a few ideas crossed my mind. You know, urban garden, community garden. Um, I don't know any anything having to do with agriculture because uh, I'm a, I'm like a third. I mean, it, it skipped a generation. You know, I'm a third generation. I guess they call me a farmer or whatever, bee farmer or whatever. Uh, my grandparents, uh, they grew up on a farm down in Barnesville, Georgia. It's down in the sticks down there, uh, about 300 acres. And um, so I know a little bit of that just kind of spilled down, trickled down to me, although it skipped my parents. Uh, my parents just wanted us to be like, you know, blue and white collar workers. You know, they, they didn't want us to have to, you know, go back and, and do farming. That wasn't even like an option. So, you know, I, not having any immediate um, training or anything, uh, some folks were like, well, you should do, you know, you should do bees. And I was just like, uh, okay. You know, like, I, as much as I knew about a bee, I would like spray a bee to death. Anything that flew and had a sting was a bee to me, you know. I, I had no clue what I was in for. So I did some research, um, did a little bit of research for a few months, and uh, a few things happened that kind of led me to choose, you know, honeybees. Um, uh, I went down to Amish country down in Berlin, Ohio and uh, had some like the best honey that was on tap and it was like you can tell it was it was extremely fresh and, and 
uh, it was very, uh, the flavor was, was, was pretty acute. Um, so when I got back up, my wife and I went down on the trip down there. We came back up, and I was like, you know what, I want to do, I want to, I want to do bees, you know, I want to do honeybees. So, I did what any, uh, I did what any, like, millennial would do, and, uh, just, like, look it up online. That's how you kind of figure it out. Uh, nobody really taught me or anything. Um, these are some of the hives that are in that lot. Uh, so, so pretty much I built this fence, uh, learned how to keep bees, went to uh, Ravenna, I think it was Ravenna, no it was Brentfield, and bought my first uh, package of bees. And uh, I mean a lot of folks don't know, you could, you know, they even ship bees. You, you should never know what you're getting, you know what I mean? Just don't kick the box or anything, you, you, you know, that's not a good idea. Um, so, uh, so I got my bees and I started, I started learning how to figure out how to uh, just keep them. And it's always unexpected. I know y'all are thinking about doing honey. You never know what's going. Like you will never know what's going to what's going on for like probably five years uh, if you're just doing honey. That's just that's just honey. You'll have no clue. You could be looking. You could re go through uh, beginners classes. You could go online and do tutorials. But you still you're not gonna have any idea because you could have done everything right and you come home and you got five pounds of bees just balled up in the tree. You got to go get them. You know you'll never know. I'm not trying to tell you not to do it. I'm just letting you know you'll never know what's going to happen. Um, so I started doing bees, and it, it wasn't supposed to be a business or anything. I was like, you know what? I wanted something real cool for my, really cool for my neighborhood, because everyone always went up to Cleveland on the uh, on the weekends, and they're like, you know what? Uh, Lakewood is really cool. Tremont, the Ohio City is really cool. I'm like, well, what about our neighborhood? It's pretty. It's a pretty hip neighborhood. So I wanted to create something something uh, memorable uh, for our neighborhood, something that people would brag about. Uh, and and I, and, I, and I started to do that. Uh, and again, it wasn't supposed to be a business. It was just like a passion for uh, people, my community, place, things like that. And, a, and, a, uh, and I had like this burning desire to kind of create something out of this just gray space, this gray matter of an area, this vacant lot that was generating no income. It was an eyesore for most people uh, who was you know, driving up and down the street. So um, the, the fun started happening. Uh, you know, it's time to harvest your honey. Uh, and this is a little bit of information for y'all. So you're not supposed to harvest honey the first, the first year. So you'll install your bees in maybe like, I don't know, May, late May or something like that. And later in the year, uh, there's a couple different what we call nectar flows where uh, the, the, the flowers are blossoming uh, enough for the bees to go out and get, get nectar, bring it back and create honey. Uh, so it's like two major flows that happen in Ohio, Northeastern Ohio. And uh, you're not supposed to the first year, you're not supposed to harvest because they got the honey for them, it's not for us. So pretty much, you know, a lot of folks say, oh, you, you uh, make honey. Like, I don't make honey, I just take it. You know, I don't, I, I don't, um, <laughs> it's, pretty, it's pretty easy. I don't have to do any of the work that they do. I just, you know, create the space for them. Uh, so that first year, they're supposed to, you're supposed to, you know, build up enough honey for them to last throughout the winter. Because in the winter, they don't like, you know, go down south or anything. They don't really hibernate. They just stay inside the hive. Uh, now you guys are getting a science lesson. They're staying inside of the hive in this ball called the winter cluster, uh, winter cluster, and they just kind of uh, they tremble their their uh, wing muscles to uh, to create heat friction and creates heat for them. So if it's like 20 degrees out here, it's, it could be like 60 degrees inside of the hive just because they're inside their winter cluster. Um, so again, going back to <clears throat> why you shouldn't uh, you know harvest the first year. But I, I didn't realize that like our area 
our area has like some of the best plants for, for you know bees making honey. It has a, like a surplus. It gave them a surplus of honey. So that first year, I uh, took out a frame, and um, I didn't do a lot. I just took one frame, and I tasted it, and I was just like, "What in the heck is this? It has some of the craziest flavor I've ever tasted and experienced." Because um, you gotta understand, like up until that point, the only thing I knew about honey was on the shelf. Well, there was clover honey, there was wildflower honey, and then there was that honey down in Amish country that blew my mind. But this was something that was next level. I was like, can I, I mean, can I, can I, I asked him not use profanity, right? Go ahead. I was like, damn, this is good <laughs> stuff. This is like really good stuff. Um, and a couple things happened. Uh, I, be, that, I guess I, be, I started to become like an, art, uh, an artisan. Uh, because the reason why that honey was so good is because of that geography around uh, within like a few miles of, of that hive, of those hives. Uh, you know, a lot of folks don't realize that the reason why honey tastes the way it does is because of the flowers. And what demands a certain and decides what flowers are growing is the time of season. So, you know, in spring, going into summer, you get like, you know, white Dutch clover, you'll get black locusts, but then going into the fall, you get a different array. You get, you know, goldenrod, you get... Um, Shucks, you get uh, mustard, you get uh, uh, Japanese knotweed, which actually turns the honey like a blood red. Um, and, and the reason why, so if you see that, that red, I mean, it's kind of hard to see up here, but it's, it's very, very red. Um, and that's that Japanese knotweed, it's crazy. And the reason why on the store shelves you don't see that is because what, what we do as beekeepers for the, well, the, big, the big companies, you know, they say, okay, well, we're gonna take this area, maybe Western Ohio, and we'll harvest all these hives at the same time, and we'll just mix it all together, uh, and here's your wildflower honey, or here's your uh, um, white Dutch clover honey, or whatever. They never, you don't, you don't actually get to experience the flowers that were in that area. It's being mixed with everything else. So that's kind of why you don't really get to experience that. So when, that, when, I, when I started to realize that, my, my wheels started turning, I'm like, okay, so I can actually take this honey, harvest it in small batches, and not mix it with any other areas or seasons, and it's gonna taste, as, it give you a specific flavor profile. I'm like, man, that's pretty dope, that's pretty cool. So what I did, I was like, you know what? So if, if that's true, and I'm in this area, which is Highland Square, West Akron, what happens, what would happen if I purchased another vacant property over on east, in the east side of Akron? Um, and I did that. Uh, and it, it was in a historic area called Middlebury. Uh, and it was, a, in this side, note, it was probably one of the, arguably one of the ugliest areas of Akron because it's like an old industrial, it's like really gray. It's really gray. There's like uh, not much to go there for. It's just a, on a road that takes you from Akron to Talmadge pretty much. Um, but I didn't realize, I was taking a little bit of a gamble because I didn't know what kind of flowers were in that area. Uh, I didn't know, you know, what kind of issues they would have over there. But I didn't realize they had, they had a, a large amount of goldenrod that grew over in that area wild. Uh, there's a lot of woods over there as well. So the honey that comes from what we call Middlebury uh, got to be known as Middlebury Red, as all the locals knew it as Middlebury Red. Really, uh, it was really respectful in its taste come fall but very like dark and red, and like folks just go crazy over that stuff. But um, let me get back to the story so I can get, get the heck through this. Uh, so pretty much, uh, I learned how to harvest honey, and 
I learned how to, you know, micro batch and, you know, so we can experience all the different flavors. Uh, but then I started thinking, I was like, okay, what can I do to make this thing like a permanent, more of a permanent part of my life? I mean, I'd love to just quit my day job and just, you know, harvest honey and, and make all this money and all this stuff. Um, so I started thinking about it. Uh, and it was around 2000, I guess it was 2015, 16. Um, there was a show uh, that LeBron put on. It was called Cleveland Hustles. I'm not sure if y'all have seen that. You may or may not have seen that. Um, long story short, we got on the show. And uh, it was kind of like a Shark Tank, a feel-good Shark Tank type of uh, show. It's still on CNBC. It aired on CNBC. It's still on online and everything. But we went up against, we were like competing against another company uh, called Fountain. They're doing great. They're awesome folks. And uh, for the, I guess the first time in that show's history, that small history, uh, they chose Fount as the winner, but then they saw our story and saw how well we did it with our challenge, and they also chose us for uh, the grand prize of an investment. And our investment was, uh, you, should, you should really remember this because uh, this, is, this is something you really need to know um, and keep with you. Uh, we, we won this investment of like up to $200,000. However, uh, we'd have to move up north. We'd have to, uh, I probably had to transplant my family up there. It was just four of us at the time, uh, my, my wife and my two daughters. Um, but it was the terms that, that kind of turned me off. Uh, and when I say terms, some, most folks would think, oh, how much percentage did they want of the company? That really didn't bother me as much as uh, the, 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 the circumstances, those kind of terms. So uh, at the end of my episode, like I realized that yeah, people were buying honey, that's cool, but they wanted like personal care stuff. We happen to have like a lip balm and a salve that we made that day just for sample, and people were buying that stuff like crazy. So at the end of our episode, like I sat down with the investors and they're like, hey man, Wesley, you did a great job. And I was like, thanks, but we should have had more of the personal care. That's where the margins are at. That's where the money's at. There's not like big margins in honey. Like no one, if you give a, a beekeeper a million dollars, in another like 10 years, they're gonna have like $5,000 left of harvesting honey. You just don't make the money like, you know, harvesting honey. Uh, so I told them like, yeah, you know, I appreciate it. However, I don't wanna take y'all's money because they were like, yeah, here, just still take the money. I was like, no. So just as a little note, like, you know, money's not, it's important. Cash is like king when it comes to a small business. But like it really isn't everything, because if you you know if your shit is good, then you can make that money tenfold. So you know, you gotta know when to. I'm sorry. You gotta you gotta know <laughs> you gotta know when to take the money. You gotta know you know what you're worth. I didn't know what I was worth back then either. I didn't know like I didn't know a doggone thing back then. In, in retrospect, I didn't know a doggone thing. So you know, uh, after that show, we went into personal care. We started doing small batch urban honey and men's personal care. Uh, and this is the second mistake. Now, this thing should be called like the Wesley's four mistakes or whatever, because this is, you know, some mistakes. Um, so I went into personal care because I was thinking, you know what, if I'm gonna make this thing work, I wanna reduce the amount of competition, I wanna have something novel, uh, I wanna appeal to the, the trendiness of the market. Some of the biggest trends were we want, they, uh, folks wanted small brands that were authentic, that were transparent. And I was like, hey, that's us, we can do that. You know, we get our, all our, our beeswax locally. We, uh, you know, all where we have a feel-good story, we can win. Uh, the problem was, here's the problem. Here's the problem, is that that's what I was good at, and that's what turned me on. Seeing, seeing all the different flavors, check this out. 
this, these are different areas. So MB is Middlebury. This is like when I first started, Middlebury. This is Bessemer Farms, and this is Highland Square uh, Apiary, and you see they're all different colors. These two areas, these two uh, honey, uh, uh, batches of honey were made, or were collected from hives that were probably four miles from each other, and only two months away from me, two months apart. So, if I, <laughs> like this was like the really cool part, the flavor, the flavor. When I went to like men's personal care or even personal care, I was making that decision because of fear. I made it because of fear, because I have a wife at home who doesn't, who hadn't, who hasn't had to work uh, since I started my corporate job. I had two girls at home, and I had to make it. I had to make this thing work or else. And I was like, okay, you know what? By going into a high margin, uh, high profit margin industry where we have the best story, we'll do it, and that will work. But my heart wasn't in it. Like it, it completely was not in it. So, I, we had been doing that pretty heavily for. Uh, about a year and a half, really just programming our, our consumers like we were personal care. Get your balm, your, your, your beeswax body balm, get this, get that from us, your lip balm. But it just wasn't right here. So about, uh, it was about halfway through the year last year. So maybe in June last year, I realized, I'm like, we gotta get back to food. We gotta do it like better than anybody can. And that's something I'm like, I can do that in my sleep. So. Um, what I decided to do was just take what Akron Honey Company was and just reinvent it as just Akron Honey, just a condiment company. So uh, what, we, what I did, <laughs> what I did was a lot, a lot of experimentation, a whole lot of experimentation. Um, I invested a lot in myself. I went out to LA several times, and this is another thing y'all need to understand. You gotta get out there, and you gotta get your name out there to people who are outside of your campus, outside of your city, people who will keep it real with you and let you know, oh yeah, this stuff is great, or eh, that's not so good. Uh, I've been to LA like three times, Austin once, Vegas once, and like five of those times, four of those times was like by invitation, just because you're gonna put myself out there. But by putting yourself out there, you can see what's out in the market and understand some of the trends and the, and the data. You gotta have the data to, to, to make the best decisions. Um, this is kind of where we started. Uh, I realized that Westerners, Americans, we like love to dip stuff. Now, I wish I had samples, I'm so sorry y'all. I know y'all probably hungry and everything, just looking at this and just, like salivating. I forgot the samples, that's the entrepreneur mindset, we forgot the samples. Um, but, uh, but I realized that we like to dip stuff and we like to spread things on, on, other, on our food. So like a lot of times I make my food choices based on what I can dip it in. Like Nutella, for instance, y'all like Nutella? Yeah, see? But there's a lot of bad stuff in there. So I started thinking, I was like, what if we made a version of Nutella that was like, that was healthy? I'm like, okay, cool. So what I did was, I'm like, all right, I got, I got this jar of honey, and how can I thicken it up? A lot of companies can, you know, throw starch or throw some of the kind of crap in there and, and uh, grind it up or whatever and, and make it thicker. But I'm like, let's just, let's just try, let's try oats. So I took oats, ground it to a powder, combined it with the honey, and you got your texture. But then I'm like, what about the flavor? Well, it's sweet already and it has flavor because it's honey. What I did then, each jar, each flavor, I, I, um, I kind of created its own character. I wanted each flavor to have its own character. So like, I took uh, organic, um, organic powder and flavored a couple of them with that. Organic extracts also used to flavor some of them. So like the one in the upper left, I'm not trying to sell y'all, I'm just kind of like telling a story. Uh, uh, 
the honey spread that's um, like chocolate is called cacao wow. So it's used, it uses actual cacao, raw cacao powder. Uh, top right is simply cinnamon, so it's just ground cinnamon. And uh, the, the one right here is OMC Omako, uh, which is, which is uh, flavored by the extract. Um, and the special part about these things uh, are that it is, it's really simple. So like uh, the ingredients are really simple and the process is really simple. So uh, with Nutella, you can, you can look on the back of Nutella's uh, you know, <coughs> ingredients and literally you, you probably won't even know, you won't even know what it's talking about, let alone you won't be able to pronounce half of the stuff. And the stuff you can pronounce, you know, it's like it's not good for you. Uh, we've got like three ingredients in every jar. Uh, it takes our honeybees um, tw over 20,000 miles of flight just to make every, every single jar. Uh, so it's, it's, every jar is pretty special. But the, I guess the magic for us was like, okay, how can we allow people to enjoy the food they're already eating? That's another lesson. You gotta meet people where you're at. Um, never challenge the consumer. So if y'all like thinking about you know your businesses or whatever, don't challenge your consumer. You may see here's the thing about being a creative and being an artisan or whatever. You'll meet folks who are artisans and be all about their craft. They'll be you know they'll they'll get a booth at the local uh, you know artisan market or whatever. However, like the one bad, bad part about artisans is that we are so about our own self we can't see past like five feet in front of us. You gotta make it really convenient for people to, to consume. You gotta make it simple. You gotta make it effortless, and you gotta innovate something. You know, so if I look at my packaging right here and I criticize it, is it innovating in delivery? No. Is it innovating in, uh, is it innovating in what it is? It, it really isn't. Uh, it's not innovating in packaging, no. But what it is doing is giving people simplicity. So we wanted to start there. Uh, the next step for us is actually pretty exciting. It's, it's, it's really exciting. So we're going to take this and continue to develop this, but we're actually going to kind of jump on another trend. We don't want to like reinvent something, invent something totally different. Uh, has anyone ever heard of hot honey? A little bit. See, it's a it's a it's a pretty interesting emerging trend. It's as interesting that it hasn't hit like I'm assuming it's not big on college campuses or whatever. But it's it's a it's an emerging trend, very hot. Not to be punny or anything, but uh, it's it's a hot trend where. You know, pizzerias up and down the northeast, um, uh, on the west coast, they're using a lot of this stuff where they're taking honey and flavoring it and infusing it with like chili peppers, habanero. Uh, and if you've ever, first of all, if you've ever tasted like actual honey before that's not on the store shelves, it's good. It's really good. But if you then have taken honey, poured it on something, and then like added another element like salt, it blows your mind. So although I haven't tried, I'm not a spicy person, I haven't tried that yet. We're gonna start, well first I'm gonna try it, and then we're gonna start developing our own, uh, but taking it a step further. So like imagine a, a honey, a hot honey that's smoked with cedar, uh, or, or with cedar smoked, or hickory smoked, uh, that's, I don't know, has hints of lime in it, uh, for instance. But kind of like, it makes you think of like a lime tequila or something. You know, I mean, I know you guys are young, sorry about that, uh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> yeah, um, but that's kind of where we're. That's where we're moving to. Um, it, I think I don't know. I think that's where I stop. Right, pretty much. I mean, is that is that it? Should I keep talking? Some questions. Anybody got any questions at all? That's, that's where we're at. That's where we're going. And you know, there's a lot more to the story behind the scenes. That's just the business. There's always like everything else. Like Professor said, you know, I'm in a different type of situation where. You'll hear mostly like folks say, oh yeah, take the risk, quit your day job. Man, I can't do that. 
I got a wife, got, I, I had three kids, now I have, hold on, no, no, I have two kids, now I have three. Just got word that we got four and five on the way. So I can't just like say, okay, I'm gonna quit my job and just gonna be a honey guy. You know, that's, so, that's stupid, you know? I, I appreciate that y'all can probably do that, but you know, I can't do that, you know? So this is a whole different background to everybody's story, you know? I, do I wish I would've done it younger? I actually don't because I, I've been able to make some really good decisions to to really uh, to create a really solid foundation for what I, I've got right now. Although I haven't been producing a ton of stuff over the last four years, my networking has been pretty awesome. You know, uh, to date, you know, last year, when last year met with, was it last year? Yeah, last year met with uh, eBay CEO, Patagonia CEO, uh, met with, uh, and there's like so many people we rub elbows with when you're out there doing your thing. And here's the good part, like, although I'm not making my stuff, I'm building a story and making those vital connections because you can't do it on your own. You can't, you know, right here, right now with the K-Pops, hey, that may, that may work well here, but there may be somebody in New York who has the infrastructure to freeze your K-Pops and then, and then ship them anywhere in the world. And then you got a thing. I mean, it started, that's kind of how Insomnia Cookies started, I'm pretty, pretty sure. They started, like, in college towns, delivering them, you know, like, actually baking them out of someone's room and then delivering to all the friends. I think that's exactly how it started. But, um, but uh, yeah, there's, there's so much. I'm not here to teach a doggone seminar on this and, you know, but just don't, you know, you're, you're gonna be scared. Just don't make your decisions based off of fear. Um, you'll learn your lesson. But just, as long as you keep going, the thing doesn't die. Um, I don't know, that's, that's it. I don't wanna get all preachy up here. I can just go ahead and answer questions if y'all have any questions. Yes, sir. I know you talked about like, like you know like what the bees do in the wintertime, but is there like somewhere you have to leave the hide outside, or do you have to like put indoors to keep them like you know safer, like you know from like you know someone going after them, for example? Oh, <laughs> well, uh, naturally bees are uh, they uh, all right? So in the wild, bees are in they make their hives in like dead out trees. So they're used to being outside. The only difference between our hives and their trees, the trees are thicker, you know what I mean? So most people think that, oh, well, you know, are they okay to stay outside? They are, because cold doesn't kill bees, uh, moisture does, um, uh, it, pests inside of their hives do as well. Uh, so, but to answer your question, no, they stay out there and they just kind of cluster and keep each other warm. Do you have to worry about colony collapse disorder, or do you ever do like in advocating to educate people on that? Nah, the, what I see, this, here's the problem. Colony collapse disorder is not a problem. Um, cold isn't a problem for bees. What the problem is, is the stuff that we're doing to our environment that hurts the bees. The bees have been here for billions of years. They didn't have any colony collapse back then. They just didn't have us around. You know, so they, thrive, they were able to thrive. They were like huge back then, but you know, they were able to thrive. Um, the the best thing you can do, because I know y'all are honey, you know, honey folk um, or future honey folk. The best thing you can do is keep your bees. Be a best, be the best beekeeper you can. That's the that's your best defense. That's your, and you'll learn like you know, going into the fall, make sure your colony is at the biggest size possible. You know, as soon as you hit fall, you might want to reduce your after the fall nectar flow, reduce the the, uh, the amount of space in the uh, in the hive because the more um, more space they have to heat, you know, it's it's harder for them. And I've had success every year when I smash them down. I mean, I don't smash them, but you know, I just kind of compress them down into two what we call deeps. 
tell. I don't think college is this. So I think I think humans are a problem. I think we tend to, you know, do some really great things, but I think we screw a lot of stuff up and then just kind of like turn away and just think of all the great, all the good memories, you know. Uh, you know, you look at a lot of God bless them, a lot of farmers. You know, only way they can make it is spray all the, spray a bunch of stuff on their crops. You know, that's the only way they can make it. It's a really tough problem because if you ask them to stop spraying, what's going to happen to their crops? And I'm not even farming. I can figure that one out. Bless you. Any other questions? Yeah. Are y'all going to be asking me B questions? <laughs> it's okay, man. <laughs> that's okay, man. I know your company is just like that. How you guys try to like help save the bees? Like, do you um do you work with organizations that do that, or does your company have like its own thing to like you know yeah. promote that? And yeah, that. that's a good question. Um, do we have, uh, do we work with any companies who save the bees just like we save the bees? I'm really glad you asked. So uh, I had been going into, a part of what we do is, you know, we go into schools, uh, like elementary schools. I mean, and here's a keep it real moment. I go into elementary schools and teach kids about honeybees and teach kids about, you know, the importance of honeybees. Uh, these schools, what they, what they look like, they look like a lot of kids who kind of look like me. Who you know, and a lot of us don't know. We you know, we grew up not knowing where food came from. You know, we came. We, we lived in a hood where you know it was a food desert. I mean, although I lived in a rural Ohio for a while, uh, we moved from East Cleveland, like East 93rd, and it was just nothing but corner stores. And when you have like that kind of situation, you just you don't know where food comes from. You 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 ask these kids, and it's not just kids who look like me, but like in this situation, it is. Um, you ask these kids, hey, where does where do, where does food come from? They'll say. Oh yeah, all these. But they'll say, oh yeah, uh, the corner store. Like they don't realize all the food we have grows from the ground. Um, but furthermore, you know, you, you get companies like Monsanto, who you know they're the devil. You know, they Monsanto. Uh, you get companies like that who aren't much different than the kids we teach right now. They were once children who were very impressionable, and. They're now making decisions that affect all of us. So the idea of what we do when we go into these schools and teach these kids, we're literally, we're literally staring in the faces of future CEOs, future advocates, uh, future presidents, uh, future future uh, engineers who can now make really good decisions because they learn when they're when they're young. I didn't learn that stuff when I'm young. I'm 37 years old now, and I just I'm just now learning this stuff. You know. Uh, it's been like, well, since I was 30, you know, learning stuff, but it, that's a bit of what we do. Yesterday, uh, we started our first, um, I got a team now. So I got a team of, and I give a little shout out to this team. So Hannah right here, she's, a, she's our assistant beekeeper, but she's now uh, a part of the outreach in our school systems. Uh, where you know she goes into the schools and she, she shows them what's up. There's Kelsey and there's Vanessa. And, if I may uh, point something out, um, if you have, when you're building your team, make sure you're building it in the most diverse way possible. I'm not saying you gotta have, you know, it's gotta look like the United Nations or anything. I'm just, all I'm saying is that if, you, if you're making decisions and they are coming from a very homogenous place, uh, you're gonna have some, some great, great areas. You're gonna have some uh, blind spots that no one in the room is gonna be able to pick off. Um, <laughs> you're gonna have some situations where you may come across as not as sensitive to uh, people or places uh, by the things you're saying just because it hasn't been spell checked. I mean, you see it a lot now where like companies, uh, they, they like put out this, 
I don't know, they pull out this swimwear or something or a sweater and it's like that a black face or something. And like why wasn't someone of color in the room when they were making that decision? Or something that's like very sensitive to uh, women, for instance. You know, why wasn't someone in the room making that decision? Or someone with, you know, people with dis disabilities. Like a lot of folks are going crazy over the no more straws. Like, well there's a lot of folks who we don't have disabilities who can't drink without a straw. You know, where you know, make them be inclusive. So I try to be as inclusive as possible when it comes to my folks. Um, but I also like hire them with a lot of fire. With a lot of fire. They got a lot of fire for this. One of my young ladies like, literally uh, was willing to go on food stamps to work for us. And I'm just like, wow, like that is the person I want to keep around. And I just want to build it strong around that kind of person. Yeah. But that's kind of a long answer to your question. Yes, we do. <laughs> yeah. Anyone else? Where can we find your products? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can find our, oh, shucks. We have a uh, production lab in uh, the Northside Marketplace. It's in Akron. If you ever been to Luigi's, it's like right by Luigi's. Um, let me see if it's up in here. Uh, oh, there's KK. There's one of my daughters teaching a little class. Um, so it's, it's in, uh, it's, the Northside Marketplace is by Luigi's in Akron. It's on Furnace Street. Uh, also online, but then uh, you can catch us out at some markets. Like this year is going to be a really big year for us to re reimagine our identity uh, and really kind of turn it into make it obvious that we're you know honey-based condiments. You know, we're that company who we don't just have a jar of honey. We've got hot honey, or we got this honey spread that kills the the uh, flavor palette of a Nutella. Uh, so that's kind of what we're going to be doing this year. And that's your answer your question. That's where you can find us or online. Yes, sir. All right, so you're an entrepreneur. Am I? And you, get, and you got five kids, or at least you got five on the way. Two more. Two more man. on the way. You got three. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do that to me, man. <laughs> uh, would you be pushing for them to follow in any kind of entrepreneurial footsteps, or pretty much just on their own? So, ever since I became an, an entrepreneur, mm -hmm. I've been very focused on that thing. So one of the one of the problems that arose was I was going to schools, I was teaching other kids, but I wasn't teaching like my own kids everything that I was doing. I um I guess like I, I want them to be the best best versions of themselves. Um, I don't want to force them to do anything. I uh, you know I want them to be successful. I want them to help people as they climb. I want to give them all the tools they need to be like. Freaking awesome, but as they climb, they gotta be lifting people around. This is that's just the rule, you know. You gotta help other people. Uh, that's my only requirement. You don't have to be an entrepreneur. I actually, I'd, I'd rather them. I'd rather than like be scientists or something. Um, my uh, the one little daughter who is right here, Cadence is her name, right right there. You can't really see her, just a little silhouette. She, um, I noticed early that she was just kind of looking and looking at what I was doing and starting to emulate that. Uh, I came upstairs one time and she like set up her own little store. And she's just sitting there just waiting for me to come up to buy some stuff. <laughs> so I'll support them. Um, I'll support them, uh, but I, I wouldn't, I don't really care for them to be entrepreneurs. If, you know, I'm not like saying do that. I am, I'm not gonna say that because we're in college, so I don't wanna say that. Say what? Nothing, because yeah. this is, 
I'm here because this is a college, so I ain't gonna say anything. <laughs> I graduated from Kent State. Actually, first time I came here was in 98. The idea that I came here for a visit, and uh, I played football back then. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm not gonna say anything. <laughs> what was that? I was like a running back and a free safety and stuff. So you you bought the properties yeah. because you wanted to help the community. You didn't yeah. like the blight. So how'd your community react to oh, what wow. you're doing? Well, that's a, that's pretty dope. Uh, yeah, I'm just I'm like I, I like left out parts of the story. So they reacted with a lot of support. But when I first built when I first built the um, when I first built this uh, the apiary, I guess the fence. Nobody knew what was behind the fence because it was, you know, it was six feet tall. It was custom built. I, <laughs> I like cut every piece, and it was wood. It wasn't, you know, like picket. It was actually wood, so you couldn't see. And uh, slowly but surely, folks started like realizing like what's behind there. And we live in a very liberal, very hipster area, so. You know, folks would come around like, oh, yeah, bees, man. And then, <laughs> so they did. Oh, I'm on camera doing this, damn. Um, no, they, they, uh, they, they support it. They support it. Um, this picture right here is something I started. Um, it's called Akron Honey Market Day. And that's when we have the city shut down the street right in front of our apiary. Our apiary is like right over here. And we have this, we have food trucks box us in. We've got uh, all these vendors, really hip vendors uh, come out. We have a soul DJ playing music, uh, so old soul music. Um, and we've got a someone who does like a, a, a furniture vendor, like old furniture. They kind of outfit the street. Everyone just sits down, just chills, and just kicks it all day long. So I mean, that's like a lot of support. And I think that they, you know, the, We've done some really good things for that city just because of it. Like we we had this market one year. Somebody was like looking for a house to buy. Well, actually, yeah, I guess they were looking for a house to buy. And uh, they went to our market and they saw this house up the street. They're like, we want that house because like you guys got stuff like this. So like literally, we sold the house on that street because of that. So I mean, they they owe us a little something, a commission or something. I never seen. Yeah, but they're behind it. They're they're the entire city's behind it. Get people to like you. Yes, sir. So, you know, we mentioned how you've got a family, you're running a business, you're busy, you probably have a whole lot of time. So I'm just curious what your day job is. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I work uh, in corporate America. I work for uh, corporate Verizon. Okay. Yeah, I've been doing that for like 12 years. Okay. You know, it's good. Money's great, you know. But I'm, I'm finding that every day I'm willing to take the risk more, more and more. Because I see that when I... This comes such a far away as a side hustle. Like imagine if I were not, I, I were able to be just completely invested and not broken away for 50 hours a week. Like how far could I go? Like how far could I go? Who would I meet? Because literally like there's a lot of promise out there. You don't see it until you just get out there and do it. You don't, you just don't see it. You don't see it until you get out there and do it. But Thank yeah, maybe that answers your question. Thank you. Yeah. Do you enjoy your day job more if attending to bees? Ooh, attending to bees more? Yeah, like uh, Man, that's a tough one because like, if I did acrid honey by itself, I enjoy keeping bees more. Um, I, I enjoy keeping bees more, of course, of course. I mean, it's like okay, go to this office or like literally pop this top off of these this hive and just watch this colony of just perfection. 
who can who can show us how to be better people. And I know this sounds like a hippie right now, but it's the truth. Like literally, if you watch what they do, they're the most selfless, most programmed. They're not really smart, but they're really, really programmed creatures. And I mean, they're so programmed. Like if this is their comparison, if like one of y'all are really sick, you know, your first instinct would be like, I got to take care of myself. So let me ask the um, let me ask my professor if there's a nurse nearby. Like if you guys were like bees, if one of y'all got sick, you would just get up and leave the room so you didn't get anybody else sick. Like that's how they're programmed. I've literally seen one bee climb on top of another and just fly away because that one bee underneath was sick. It was cr crazy. It's crazy. So it's like you're watching this organism. Uh, the honey's great. Yeah. But the, this organism uh, exist uh, in, in a way that they were meant to exist. And I've captured them and put them in the box. <laughs> I'm a terrible person. Don't do it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm all about your company, man. It sounds really cool. I, I love Akron. I like the Akron area. My my parents are in a band and they play out there all the time. What's what band? Swap Meet. Swap Meet? Yeah, you heard of them? I've never heard of them. That's nah, funny. They're cool. They're like little, little bluegrass, rock. Oh, okay, cool. Cool, yeah, yeah. And, but, uh, and his mother's a professor here as well. Hey, your mom's a professor? Yeah, she goes on stage and she, she calls herself the professor. <laughs> that, works. that works. That works. Maybe um, I, I bet you I'll like notice them now, now that I know their name. I mean, they're at the, like, the Barley House, and uh, they play there. They, I don't know what they play, I just kind of go and then yeah, exactly. get free drinks. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But um, the whole time I was thinking, you, you got this $200,000 investment that came your way, and you, you didn't take it. And uh, I wouldn't be where I'm at today if I took that. No, but you, you mentioned the circumstances, and I was, I was, more, I was interested in what, what maybe more of those uh, circumstances were when that situation came about. Yeah, to be specific, it was like 25%, uh, yeah. you know, that they wanted, and uh, the only stipulation at that point was like, look, 25%, you got to move to Cleveland, you got, well, not move, but you got to open up a retail store in Cleveland, it's not about it, not having it, man. Well, and you basically started what you did to help your neighborhood in Akron. Yeah, that so was So you would have had to sacrifice. Yeah. Yeah, that was a big, that's another big part of it. There was a few reasons. You know, circumstances, one. Uh, my family was a big reason. Uh, the folks who got me to where I was at is all this right here. So in my mind, I'm like, look, if I can make this work, if I'm that good of an entrepreneur, I can make this work in Akron, and I can be an exporter. I can come up with something cool, something so wonderful and so amazing that people feel that they can't be without it, and I can do it right, right in Akron. It's going to be a challenge for me, but if I act good, great. If not, I shouldn't be doing it anyway. So all the kids at home, you know. <laughs> I got kids y'all's age. I don't. 11 years old is the oldest one. Yeah. Any more questions? No? Well, why don't we give Wesley a